The BCL is back. What's up, everyone? Welcome to BCL Coast to Coast, the official podcast of the Basketball Champions League. My name is Austin Green, and we got a great show for you today. Our guest this week is Dijon point guard Axel Julian, so stay tuned for that interview later in the program. First, we're going to cover some of the big storylines from around the BCL. Joining me to do that, as he does every week, is David Hine out in Germany. Dave, how's it going, man? Fantastic. Um, nothing other than what we expected. Another great week of action and can't wait to talk about it. Yeah, it was another fantastic week in the BCL. It was really fun to have the games back on this week and there were some great ones. So we'll highlight some of the best games from the round. Before we get to the game breakdowns, let's do a quick rundown of the team of the week. Making the list again, Tyrese Rice. He had 26 points against Fuenlabrada, including 5 of 5 shooting in Rice time. That's the fourth quarter. He had 11 points in the final four and a half minutes as Bomberg closed the game on a 13 to 2 run to beat Fuenlabrada by 10 points on the road in a revenge game there. Malcolm Griffin from Ike Athens, he had 25 points, 3 of 4 on threes, also had 7 rebounds, 4 assists as Ike picked up a big road win at Jerusalem. We're going to talk about that game in depth a little bit later on the podcast. Cassius Robertson from Bayreuth, he had 31 points, including 5 of 6 three-pointers as Bayreuth took down Besiktas 90-74 to on the road. Jare Grant finally makes the team of the week for Neptunus, 18 points, 9 rebounds, Five of those were offensive, including a clutch putback dunk in the fourth quarter as Neptunus beat the last unbeaten team, Virtus Bologna, 88 to 85. And Sebastian Saiz, the young man from Tenerife, 19 points, six rebounds. He hit three of four three pointers. More on that later as Tenerife beat Bond 99 to 92 in overtime. Dave, you were uh, pretty prophetic with that Saiz pick. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, you know, you you saw it uh, building up. A, a, a you know a guy who you know definitely took the step up uh, at the club level, and now he's gaining confidence. You know, he's he's done it at the national team. He's gaining confidence uh, on the world stage. You know, in the in the European qualifiers for the World Cup, and and now he's he's you know he's doing it at uh, um, <laughs> in the VCL. Just as I said, um, yeah, and and you know, I, I wanted to I wanted to also bring up uh, Robertson. Um, you know, this is a guy that that uh, you know, Byright coach uh, Raul Corner kind of uh, called out. Uh, you know, we all kind of uh, said it was more uh, David Stockton, but he was talking about his guards, and you know, Robertson has definitely stepped up. You know, his, the thirty-one points. 29 of those were in the second half, uh, shot five of six from three point range. And, um, you know, this is a guy that can definitely get hot. You know, you look, this is his rookie season last year. He hit, hit five or more three pointers nine times at, uh, at Missouri and the season before at Canisius, he had, uh, four times of hitting at least five, three pointers, including hit of hitting nine of 10, uh, from three point range against Marist, um, so this guy is heating up. Just to just to put the, this performance for him in proportion, um, you know he he averaged seven point four points coming into the game. Uh, so, but and he also in the in the B, in the German BBL he went for twenty three last week last weekend five of nine for threes. Uh, so he's definitely heating up. Uh, 56% over his last five games from three-point range uh, since November. So Robertson is, is slowly but surely becoming a huge weapon for 
uh, for Bayreuth and deservedly a spot on the on the team of the week. Um, I have a sense there's somebody that you think uh, maybe could have deserved a spot on the team as well. Yeah, yeah. Thomas Delinenakaitis, he wins what I'm now calling the Jure Grant Award, given out to the player who got robbed from the team of the week. <laughs> How is he not on that team? He absolutely won that game for Neptunus, I thought. 26 points in 19 and a half minutes, 6 of 8 on threes. He hit clutch shot after clutch shot. When Neptunus were down 62 to 67 in the fourth quarter, he hit a three to cut the lead to two. Then he drove past his defender, missed a layup. Grant was there for the putback, um, you know, so credit to Grant, but that's kind of like an assist, I guess. And then uh, when it was tied 67-67, he hit a huge three to give Neptunus a three-point lead. They never trailed again after that. Delininakaitis was awesome. Like, all due respect to Jure Grant. That guy's been super consistent. But Delininakaitis was the best Neptunus player in this game, and he should have made the team of the week. I think, uh, you know, Tyrese Rice, I would have bumped him from the team. Like, I love watching Rice. Super skilled. 26 points is great. Very clutch once again. But, I mean, look at look at the opponent. Like, Fuenlabrada, they've lost five straight now. Bomberg should have won that game, whereas Delininakaitis took down Bologna 7-0, and undefeated coming into this week. He went toe-to-toe with Tony Taylor, Kevin Punter, Eridori, all those guys, and came out on top. So I thought Delin and Akaitis got completely robbed, but, you know, that's the way it is. Uh, Dave, any, anybody else uh, who you thought maybe had an argument for Team of the Week? Yeah, I mean, okay, Delin and Akaitis for sure. You know, maybe uh, Ivan Stra- uh, Strapkov, you know, he definitely, um, he definitely carried uh, Nizhny Novgorod in that, in that victory. Uh, but, and I mean, no, really everybody else really deserved their spot. Uh, but, uh, yeah, Delinikaitis, um, yeah, I think you could have been on the team. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, like we said in the, one of the podcasts during the break, Delinikaitis was both of our picks for the best player 35 years and older in the BCL this season. So he's been rolling all year. He's going to keep it going. I wouldn't be surprised if he makes a team of the week, uh, in the next few weeks. We'll talk about that game a little more in depth here pretty soon, but let's start it off. Uh, start off the group by group breakdowns with Group A. Oh, gets around Morgan, swats it away, giving a chance for Bamford to run out. Oliver, oh, the behind the back move and finish. What a play! All right, looking at the standings for Group A, alone in first place, Ukam Murcia are seven and one. Behind them, Avellino and Banvit are both five and three. In fourth place, Nizhny is four and four. Anvil also at four and four, just behind them. Then Vinspiel's three and five, Lamont and MHP Reason Ludwigsburg at the bottom at two and six. Dave, uh, for the for the game of the group, we're going to talk about MHP Reason Ludwigsburg losing at home against Banvit, seventy six to eighty eight. This was a game that Ludwigsburg really had to have, I think, uh, if if they were going to get back in the playoff hunt. You know, they won those two games after starting zero and five. Seemed like they were going to get on a bit of a roll, uh, but Banvit with a nice win on the road to improve to five and three. This was a game where Ludwigsburg, they led 70 to 66 with about seven minutes left in the fourth quarter. And then they went scoreless for the next five minutes as Banvit went on a 17-0 run to really take over, put the game away, completely took the crowd out of the game. Uh, Dave, fourth quarters have been a big problem for Ludwigsburg all season. And, uh, you know, that they struggled with that once again in crunch time. You know, it's um, actually, even to go back to the first quarter, um, you know, 
just like the first quarter of the first game against Bonvid, where I think they were up, what, 24? Um, and uh, we're hitting all their threes. You saw a repeat of the same thing. They hit, uh, over a five-minute stretch, they hit five of six three-pointers and went up by went up by 15 points, I, I believe 15 points. The rest of the game, they went one of 12 from three-point range. And um, yeah, that you know, Lamont Jones tried to tried to to keep him in it, um, but you know, you had Perez playing great, uh, Ulusoy playing great, Hazar another strong game, you know, Oliver had had a had a strong game, and like you mentioned, the the run at the end, um, and then you know, as a as a um, as a as a fan and and somebody who who observes and, and writes about youth basketball, you kind of have to be really excited about this game um, on a, on a lot of levels. Obviously, we've talked about Hazair really playing well as a 19 year old. You know, we've also talked about um, Karim Jallo for for uh, Ludwigsburg. They also you know, John Patrick he gave 18 minutes to his 18 year old um, uh, guard Queen Emanga. Um, Lucas Herzog the uh, 17 year old played the last two minutes and the, you know, really one of Germany's next super, super, superstars, at least potential wise, uh, uh, Ariel Hukporti came in. The game was, you know, long decided, played the final uh, 66 seconds and uh, scored a, a nice lefty hook over DJ Shelton and then threw down a dunk uh, as a 16 year old, uh, one of the prized talents in all of Europe uh, from the 2002 born class. So this game, uh, you know, it was it was nice that Patrick was able to give his his uh, youngsters some playing time, but I'm sure he really didn't want to. And and you know, we talked. I talked this game up a lot. You know, you know, I, I said Ludwigsburg is gonna you know sneak into the playoffs, and Bandit might not. Huge win for Bandit. You you definitely have to say that. Um, and and a tough loss for Ludwigsburg. Now at two and six. And uh, and really two games uh, behind two teams who are t- uh, four and four. That's going to be really tough. It's not impossible, but it's going to be really tough for them to get into it. Yeah, like you said, not impossible, but I I don't see a way really where they uh, where they are able to come back and and jump over Anvil or Vince Beals or Nizhny. Um Banvit. So one one of the reasons you were concerned about them. Five of their seven games in the second half of the regular season were going to be on the road. So huge win uh, in this one on the road to to start off on a positive note. Um, did this game did this game sway you at all on as far as Banvit's playoff chances? I mean, obviously they got the win, so they're one step closer in that regard. But in terms of their play on the court, uh, were were you pretty encouraged by this one? Yeah, I mean, you you're also able to 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 work in their their new acquisitions. You know, they've been changing their team um, pretty much for the past month and a half or so. Um, and you know, Shelton had a, had a solid game, and you know, it's still going to take time. It's definitely a huge win. You know, um, but you know, Anvil's there at four and four in a non playoff spot. Uh, okay, according to to rankings between them and and Nizhny Novgorod. Um, so it's really only they're only one game from not being in the playoffs. I, they have the talent to get there, and and uh, the but it's going to be a hard road, especially because they are on the road. 
Yeah, next week they're on the road again, but they're at Le Mans, who are 2-6. and six, So another good chance for Banvit to pick up a win there. And then also next week, Nizhny going up against Anvil. Both of those teams, 4-4, four and four, like you just said, the 4th and 5th place teams in the group. So that's going to be a huge game. Um, but you know, one, one of those teams will drop a little bit. If Banvit can pick up another win next week, move to 6-3, and three, they're going to be in a great position. Uh, for Ludwigsburg, like you said, you know, cool that they were able to get some of those really young guys, young guys, some minutes. Um, but it was some youthful mistakes on the part of their like players that they actually need to contribute that put them in that position in the first place. Uh, you know, just really bad transition defense in, uh, at the end of that fourth quarter. Uh, you know, when, when you really just need to be mentally tough, you need to get back on defense and just, you know, force, force Banvit to take some tough shots. They're not a great half court offense, but they were able to get some really easy buckets in transition at the end there. Alex Perez had two huge threes. Uh, and, and, and I thought there was good defense on those shots. He had a hand in his face, but that guy's a baller was able to hit those. Um, and then just, you know, a silly turnover, like Keelan Martin threw a, a behind the back pass out of bounds, uh, late in the fourth quarter there. It's just, you know, you, you can't make those kind of silly mistakes and, and expect to win a game, especially when you're, you know, fighting for your life to get back into the playoff race. So disappointing loss at home for Ludwigsburg. Moving on to the other games in this group, Anvil with a big win over Vince Spiel's 84-71. to That was really important in terms of uh, their standing in the group, beating a team like Vince Spiel's, who are also 3-4 and four coming into the game. Le Mans, they lost... At home, 71-80 to group leaders Murcia and Avellino, blown out at home, 71-92 to against visiting Nizhny Novgorod. Uh, Dave, any thoughts on the other three games in the group? Um, I'll, I'll bring up the Nizhny game later, Nizhny Novgorod later. Um, really, just Anvil, uh, you know, never really challenged uh, with just seven turnovers. And you have to be happy, you know, you look at that. They did that without Camille Lachinsky. And also Chase Simon only scored three points. So, um, you know, definitely a convincing victory by, by Anvil to, to really keep, keep themselves in the playoff race. Both teams struggling for points in this last couple of minutes. Goss comes off the screen, pulls up for three. Off the glass! Moving on to Group B, Tenerife are in first place at 7-1. and one. Second place is Halone at 6-2. and two. Then we've got Venezia and Pauk at 5-3. and three. Nanterre, 4-4, four and four are in fifth place. Bonn at 3-5. and five. And then at the bottom of the group, Fribourg and Opava are both 1-7. and seven. The game of the group that we're going to talk about in depth for this one is Pauk versus Venezia. Pauk, the Greek club, with a 77-76 win at home against the Italian side. Uh, huge game from Phil Goss against his former team. 20 points, 11 of those in the fourth quarter. Uh, as Pauk were able to come out on top. Dave, what were some of your uh, some of your main takeaways from this game? Okay, yeah, the fact that that Pauk was able to build a fourteen point lead. Of course, you know teams are going to come back always, but you know to see them able to do that, helped by the home crowd. Um, and then you know there was a little back and forth at the at you know the uh, the lead changing hands. Goss, I mean, come on, what do you what do you if, you know what can you say about him? You know, huge. That was the. You know, I don't know if he called glass on the bank three, uh, but you know, also the huge tip in by by Garrett off the miss um, with 15 seconds left, and then and then Goss iced it with the 6.4 uh, seconds left on the uh, in the game. Um, you know, this is 
at the other end, you know, you look at you look at Austin Day with uh, six points, zero rebounds, um, fouling out after fourteen minutes, and this is the second time that that Day has has um, let's let's you know say laid a total egg. Um, you know, he played against Nauter eight minutes, fouled out with two points. Um, so you know, this isn't a, a little bit of an alarming. Um, you know, that was a ga- a big game against Nauter. You know, so. You know, question a little bit uh, Day's ability in, in big games. I, I don't want to necessarily say that, but you know, it's it's happened now twice, and and so you can start, you know, throwing out a little bit of concern there. Uh, but you know, Pauk, hey man, they d it up, and and they win close games, and they're on a on a five and zero run, and you know they're in the playoff spots now, and do you, I can see them. I can see them grabbing, uh, maybe even jumping up to the second spot. You know, uh, if they if they can grab a um, you know a victory over uh, over Halone, um, and 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 you know Halone maybe slips up against Nanterre or or Bond. So, hey man, five in a row. You know, you have to do that first, especially you know you they also beat uh, Tenerife as we all as we all know. So, uh, yeah, congrats, big time to to Pauk. Yeah, five straight wins now for Pauk, uh, two huge wins in a row, beating Tenerife and now Venezia. And this team looked really confident, uh, really hungry early on. Uh, Yannick Morera, Linos Chrissikopoulos, these guys were just completely dominating in the first quarter. Uh, Morera had 14 points in the first half, and I don't think he scored in the second half, but he, he was just so dominant in that first half, um, just you know, hitting mid-range shots, attacking Venezia in the post. They weren't they weren't scared of Gaspar Vidmar at all. They were they were just attacking him. Uh, Chrissy Kopolis was posting up Day, and that that fifth foul on Austin Day was just ridiculous too. It was in the fourth quarter. He had just come back in the game after sitting on the bench with his fourth foul, which he picked up after sitting on the bench all game because he picked up his third foul early in the second quarter, and so. Chrissy Kopolis posts up Day, spins baseline, goes up for two, and Day just hacks him from behind, like in a, in a pretty weak foul. Uh, Chrissy Kopolis was able to get the and one uh, to give Pauk the lead, and then Day had to go sit on the bench for the rest of the game. So, yeah, I agree with you that that's really concerning. It, you know, it's, it's like, what, what are you doing, man? Like, you're you're 30 years old. You're too old to be making simple mistakes like this, picking up silly fouls. You're too important to your team. Like, this is a guy who won MVP of the round in round two because he scored 30 points. Like, he's capable of huge performances, but they need him on the court. Uh, so I, I, I thought Austin Day really let the rest of his team down and, and put them in a bad position. And Pauk, just so tough mentally and physically. Like you said, you know, they're going to they're gonna, uh, they're gonna D teams up. They're very physical defensively. They get after it. They're a mentally tough team as well played really well in the fourth quarter i don't think phil goss called glass but you know let's let's give him the benefit of the doubt you know uh (laughs) aging like fine wine phil goss 35 years old put up 20 points against his former team so i'm I'm sure that felt good for him uh and and linos chrissikopoulos like i said um you know he he dominated early along with marrera then he came up big again in the fourth quarter uh with some clutch buckets and some good defense um, you know, this, this was the guy who was MVP of game day seven after, uh, after a really clutch performance against Tenerife. So two great games in a row for him. He's coming on strong and this Pauk team is just super confident right now. Like, like you said, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they jump up into, into second place at some point behind Tenerife. 
Looking at the rest of the games in this group, Bonn lost at home to Tenerife 92-99 to in overtime. Fribourg also lost at home 90-95 to against Hapoel Halon. And Nanterre, with the second biggest margin of victory in BCL history, beating Opava 100-64. to Dave, any, any thoughts on these other games in the group? You know, I, I, I kind of, uh, you know, proclaimed Tenerife that they're not going to make the make the um, the final four this year. And, and uh, I'm not going to say got slack for it, but definitely got some discussion on it. And this game didn't convince me at all either. And, and you know, you know, Bon was playing without Charles Jackson and Rashad James, their second and third leading scorers. They're trying to work in Biersovic and Hanlon. Uh, two new acquisitions. They basically had three, um, you know, empty spots on the roster with an with a nineteen, twenty, and twenty one year old, um, and they needed uh, Tenerife needed to shoot fifty four percent from three point range to to win the game in overtime, and they needed a twenty two to two run um, to to get rid of a a late 10, uh, 10 point uh, deficit in the third quarter. Uh, had a 10-point lead, gave that up, and uh, they had a 5-point lead. This is all in regulations, 5-point lead with 36 seconds, and they still couldn't finish that off, had to go to overtime and just hit two big threes. And, and you know, I think I think there's there was a certain level of, of just tiredness on the Bond team. I don't want to blame being tired, but you just look at the bench points, 51 to 18, for Tenerife, okay, I'll give you. I'll give you the fact that they they played without McFadden. He got injured um, in the third or fourth minute. Um, but you know this game didn't con- really do anything really to convince me otherwise. Okay, on the road, Bond actually played pretty decent on the road. Um, but you know, you th- this team is only going to win if they if they if they play well if they shoot well from three point range. Uh, silver lining, whatever Sebastian size has, you know, he made the, the team of the, the, the team of the week. Uh, but I think quote of the week, uh, I don't know if there's going to be a new segment, whatever, but quote of the week for sure. Uh, in the post game press conference, um, his statement was, it was something we needed to prove being a little tougher, a little bit tougher. Uh, they got punched in the face in, uh, by Polk. And so this game, at least, you know, they they were aware of it and they, you know they came out and 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 they did get a good win um it was on the road wasn't necessarily convincing in my eyes but you know hey it is a victory size you know hey you know the the the, the young man is is starting to shine for sure and uh you know there was other help enough there but i think to a, to a, to a large extent bond was 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 really missing their horses you know james and 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 jackson um, and, and the other guys just aren't there yet. Um, so I have that, um, uh, and, and the Opava, the, uh, the Nanterre Opava game, do you realize that game day one Opava beat Nanterre? It's an eight. It seems like ages ago. <laughs> I, I had forgotten about that. Yeah. It seems like ages ago. Right. And, uh, and they actually led that game by 15 points, one by seven. Uh, and the only other time non uh, Opava led by 15 points against Polk and then I think lost by I think 27 30 somewhere around there besides though two 15 point lead their biggest lead of the season was five points um Opava's given up 
224 points in the last two games. They gave up 114 to Bond last week. So, um, Pava fans should be uh, starting to definitely only concentrate on the uh, on the on the uh, Czech league. And the time that remains. The bounce pass is a good one, thrown down two-handed by Vince Hunter. All right, moving on to Group C. In first place, the defending champions Ike Athens are alone at the top, 7-1 and one, after their big win over Hapoel Jerusalem. We'll talk about that game here in a second. Jerusalem are in second place at 6-2. and two. Bomberg are in third at 5-3. and three. Antwerp are in fourth at four and four, and then behind them, Leet Cabellus and Fuen Labrada are both three and five. Fuen have now lost five straight games after starting three and zero, oh. and then Dijon and Nimburg are two and six at the bottom of the group. For the game of the group, and I think probably the game of the week, at least entering the week, uh, Hapoel Jerusalem versus Ike Athens. Ike ended up avenging their only loss of the season. They beat Jerusalem 83-70 to on the road, but this game was a lot more interesting than that scoreline suggests. Uh, Ike built a huge lead early. They completely jumped on Jerusalem. They scored 27 points in the first six and a half minutes, and they looked really hungry. Uh, you know, we, we talked to Vince Hunter uh, before the FIBA windows, and he was saying he was basically just going to work out and stay in the gym uh, but because he's not playing for a national team. But that dude came out looking very hungry, excited to be back on the court. And this this looked like a statement game for Ike. Like They, they played like a team that you know, wanted to prove that they're the defending champions. They're on the road. This was a big test for them. And, and they came out and just really punched Jerusalem in the mouth from the jump. Uh, Dave, what were some of your uh, some of your main thoughts from this game? You know, this is a game that, because these are two teams that definitely have, have great chances of, of getting to the Final Four. And I think this is a, this is a really um, good game to go back and watch and kind of look at. You know, I've kind of been on Ike all season that, you know, they've had big third quarter, uh, big fourth quarters to kind of erase uh, leads that, they, that they've let their opponents build up. Like you mentioned, they jumped on, they jumped on them right away. They built a 16 point lead. Uh, Happel actually erased that, went ahead with a 21 to three run. Ike went back ahead by 13, 16 to three run to tie the game, but really just weren't able to 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 execute down the stretch. Um, probably a little bit, you know, it was a little bit bigger victory than it than it maybe should have, you know, as far as the result goes. Um, one thing that kind of surprised me is that is that a team with as many weapons as Hapo Jerusalem have that they went on that they, they that they went scoreless the first six minutes and twelve seconds of the second quarter of the second half. You know that's not going to happen very often. Which you have to tip your hat to to the defense also uh, of Ike. All right, some of those shots definitely could have gone in. Uh, you mentioned Hunter, man. I, I I if you go back and watch the game. Take account of how many times he was on the floor. Uh, <laughs> I counted at, at least like seven or eight. He was on the floor the whole the whole game. It was it was fantastic. Um, Griffin, you know, he made the team a week MVP. I I almost didn't have him on the team until he kind of uh, hit the big layup. Sort of, I don't know what it was, maybe a minute and a half or so late. And then, you know, he only scored I think four points or so um, in the fourth quarter. Almost wouldn't have had him on there if he didn't hit that basket. Um, but you know, Hunter was all over the place. San Ruiz was, was awesome. Uh, Sakota, you know, you, you see when he comes in, the game is different, you know, you know, they, they, they let their guys have, have a breather and they, and they can't, and they gave up leads and 
another thing to, to, to just be aware of now in case these teams do end up tied the the Jerusalem win in in Athens uh, back in week one was a four point win. So Ike takes the t- takes the tiebreaker in case these two teams are 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 knotted up. Um, you know, Feldin had a, had a strong game. You know, in general, was a little bit shaky from three point range. Two of eight. We've seen him uh, definitely shoot better than that. Uh, Tashawn Thomas, uh, a fantastic, um, but you know, a statement victory for sure. Going to a tough place to play and and getting a big victory. So congrats to Ike and I, I I think this team is 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 you know to a place where I'm not I'm not really doubting them anymore. Um, and I think you have to put them right up there as far as you know maybe maybe even the favorite. You know I, I don't necessarily want to say that yet, but definitely the fact that they were able to build leads um, and then never never really let Jerusalem. They had a two point lead. Um, after the big run to get back into the game, but then they never let again, you know, and that's another statement of a good team is, all right, you're going to give up a run, of course, but don't let the other team then take over. So, uh, you know, huge victory for, for Ike. Yeah, Jerusalem, Jerusalem with slow starts to the first quarter and the third quarter, uh, you know, they, they just can't dig holes like that. You know, I, I think you saw the depth of this team because once they pulled the starters out, brought guys like Jacobin Brown, Amari Stoudemire off the bench, um, you know, th- those guys were able to turn things around. Tashawn Thomas, uh, like you said, was a monster. 13 points, 11 rebounds, five blocks. He he started this game, but they, they just have so many, uh, so many guys that they can bring in. So I'm I'm, I'm still encouraged about this Happowell team overall. I think they they still look like a, a Final Four contender for sure. Uh, this this was a game that could have gone either way. You know, they had that horrible start to the third quarter where they went scoreless for the first like six minutes, but they were missing a lot of open shots. Um, you know, I think Feldine, uh, Brown, Butler, like th- these guys are going to hit open threes more often than not. Um, so, you know, I think for whatever reason, they, they just didn't go in in this game, you know, call it rust maybe um, from the window because none of those guys played with played with the national team. So maybe they were a little bit rusty coming in. Um, but, you know, they're, they're going to have to up their energy level in these big games because Ike came ready to play. And, you know, like you said, Vince Hunter flying all over the place, hitting the deck every like couple seconds, it seemed like. Um, one thing, one thing that does worry me about this Ike team is their lack of, of depth up front. So just look at, look at how important Vince Hunter is to this team. He played 34 minutes and he was plus 26. So the six minutes that he wasn't on the court, they got outscored by 13 points. And, um, you know, plus minus can be a little bit deceptive, but in this case, I, I think that tells the story very accurately. You know, when Hunter was out there, his energy was infectious. He scored 16 points. He was getting dunks. He was tipping rebounds to teammates. He was flying all over the place. He played great defense on Amari Stott. Uh, he was, he was, you know, just letting out these passionate roars. Like his, his energy level was incredible. And then they go to the bench. Uh, they bring in Sampouris or they bring in Roberson, and it's, it's just not the same. Uh, so that, that's the one thing that worries me a little bit about Ike. Uh, they might need to go out and make a move to, to bring in another big guy because they can't get outscored by 13 points when, when Hunter sits because he's going to need a break every once in a while. But super impressive win for Ike. Uh, yeah, shout out Malcolm Griffin, 25 points. Like you said, he, he got those, those buckets late, uh, but he was awesome for the most part. And, and St. Rue's great defense. There was a really interesting, uh, timeout in the fourth quarter 
where uh, where Jerusalem's coach was talking to James Feldin, and he was like, "Man, move the ball! Like we have three guards, we don't need to attack Saint Ruse. Like go at Larenzakis, go at Machulis, these other guys on the team. Like this isn't you know this isn't a one on one battle between you and Saint Ruse. He's not the guy to challenge. Uh, so I, I I thought that was interesting." But I think it was a, a learning experience for Jerusalem, a playoff-level environment. That crowd was fantastic. Uh, so, you know, bo- both of these teams looked very good at times, and I think both of them are definitely Final Four contenders and even championship contenders uh, as, we, as we move on into the second half of the season. Uh, looking at the rest of the games in this group, Nimburg, they lost at home against Dijon, 78-89. to We've got Axel Julian, the point guard from Dijon, later in the show, so we'll talk about that game a little bit more with him. Antwerp with a very crucial win, beating Leet Cabellus, 70-64. to That's the team directly behind them in the standings now, so a big home win for Antwerp. And then Fuenlabrada losing their fifth straight game. Um, at home against Bomberg, falling 65-75. to Dave, any thoughts on these other three games? Uh, you know, really just um, wanted to touch on the the Bomberg game. You know, we, we talked about Rice, but, uh, you know, you, you think about Ricky Hickman, had, you know, made his season debut um, in this game. Uh, Bryce Taylor played as well. You know, both these guys have been out for basically the entire season. And uh, that's going to make them that much more of a contender. You know, you, you need great guards, and uh, you know you're basically adding two guards in the you know in the middle of the uh, regular season uh, of that high quality and that experience level. So, you know, watch out for watch out for for Bamberg, You know, pump fake from Delinikaitis again. He's open, and he says, "Jump on my back, folks." And the last group, Group D, in first place, Virtus Bologna are 7-1, but undefeated no more after they lost this week against Neptunus. Strasbourg and Prometheus are behind them at 5-3. Then Bayreuth and Neptunus are both 4-4. Four four. Besiktas and Ostend, 3-5. And, and in last place, Petrol Olympia are 1-7. For the game of the group, and maybe the game of the week, Neptunus beat Bologna 88-85, Bologna's first loss of the season, and a bit of a revenge game for Neptunus after they lost uh, a really exciting close game against Bologna earlier in the season. Uh, Bologna only 5 of 21 from the three-point line in this game. That's 23.8%. Tony Taylor was 4 of 5. Everyone else 1 of 16. So good job by Neptunus uh, defensively, and also Bologna just, just missed some open shots that I think they would normally hit. We mentioned Jure Grant and Tomas Delinenakaitis earlier. Uh, they were both fantastic. Delinenakaitis had 26, Grant 18 and 9. Also some uh, some big moments from Kissy Elias. He had 10 points. Uh, so Neptunus, you know, another tough win for this team at home beating Bologna. Uh, Dave, what, what were some of your thoughts from this game? Well, I, I guess we're going to die um, <laughs> if we needed yeah. our life dependent on a basket with punter um, missing the shot to 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 to, to maybe get uh, to get the win or overtime, whatever. Um, yeah, you know, punter was over five uh, from three point range. Uh, you know, you mentioned just basically the team struggled from 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 from. Um, from the outside, uh, punter was four of twelve uh, from the field. Uh, there's not many times he'll that'll happen to him. Uh, I think the other main factor um, from looking at the Bologna side of it, you know, Kavali was never really able to to get you know you know get into a rhythm and, and do very much. 
against you know more athletic uh, uh, Grant. You know he just had uh, eight points and five rebounds, and I think that was a big factor. Um, but really, the three pointers. You know, you look at eleven of twenty one for you know about fifty two percent for Neptunus, and then you mention uh, you know twenty under twenty four percent from three point range for for Bologna. You know, it's going to happen. They're going to lose a game. Um, Neptunus. You know, they showed that they're a good team. You know, they led by 15 points against Bologna in the first game uh, of the season and ended up losing in overtime. Um, you know, Neptunus, you know, Bologna is looking at maybe trying to stay undefeated. Neptunus is playing for for the playoffs. You know, I mean, they're four and four. Right now, they're out of the playoffs with Bayreuth. And, you know, we kept on saying, you know, which of these teams is not going to make the playoffs. You know, Neptun- you know, Besiktas is down there three and five. And, uh, you know, Bayreuth's up there now at four and four in the playoffs, but Neptunus, you see, they take down the the last undefeated team, and and we've said that this is a great team. So this is gonna, be, you know, this is a team that's fighting for its life basically. Whereas Bologna's like, oh, we just hope we stay undefeated. So I'm not saying that that was the the biggest reason, but I think that that may have had a little bit of a factor as well, besides the great Neptunus home fan. Yeah, interesting stat from this game. Bologna they actually led for 27 minutes. Neptunus only led for eight minutes, but it was uh, mo- most of that was like the final seven minutes of the game. Uh, after Dylan and Akaitis hit that go ahead three that I mentioned earlier, they were able to hang on. Uh, you know, great great mental toughness against a really talented Bologna team to be able to hold on to that lead in the fourth quarter. You know, Bologna with all of those weapons very easily uh, could have snatched that game back, but Neptunus they stayed disciplined. Uh, um, and, and like you said, great home fans there definitely helped them to the victory in this one. So Neptunus now four and four uh, after this win. Bologna seven and one, but still on top of the group. Looking at the other games in this group, Besiktas a big loss at home, seventy four to ninety against Bayreuth, who are rolling as you mentioned. Prometheus they were upset at home, eighty four to eighty eight against Ostend, and Strasbourg they beat Petrol Olympia eighty one to seventy three. Um, did you have, have some thoughts on these other games, Dave? Um, you know, with, uh, with Byright really quick, you know, we mentioned, uh, you know, Cassius Robertson going off from three point range and how great he is and all that stuff. Um, Robertson was hitting all those threes in the fourth quarter and not many people probably noticed that Andy Seifert, the big guy hit a three pointer. That was his first three pointer made in his career as a professional. He was 0 of 17 in the BBL since 2010 and also was 0 for 1 uh, in the Euro Cup for Alba. So congrats to Andy Seifert for hitting a hitting a three, uh, first three-pointer of his uh, professional career. Um, Byright have won eight in a row now. They've won four games in the, in the BBL. So they're probably... Um, the, the the struggling German team that uh, definitely has a better spot, uh, you know, looking at, at Ludwigsburg. Uh, really quick to the Olympia Strasbourg game, which I'll actually come back to in the in, uh, again uh, later. I think this Olympia team, we're going to go back and look at this team and say like, wow, all these guys, like whatever, four years played on that team. You know, you look at Sanom, you look at Samanich. Um, uh, Simonovic is there, Mesicek is there, Batsum is there, you know, all these guys are 21 and under. Um, and think about this. This was their 26th game of the season already. They've played 26 games already, Olympia. So the youngsters, they've made their mistakes. And, uh, you know, this was definitely a game where they've kind of turned the corner and uh, are starting to shine a little bit and show the the potential that they have. So that's what I got. All right, it's time for overtime. Five topics. We're going to get through these pretty quickly. First up is stat of the week. 
I'm going with Sebastian Saiz. I mentioned earlier he made three of four three-pointers against Bonn. Before that, he had attempted zero three-point shots in seven BCL games. And a couple days before this game in the ACB, he made two of five three-pointers against Barcelona. Before that, he had zero three-point attempts in 10 ACB games. So zero attempts in 17 games. And now he's just bombing away and hitting 60%. I think this is some kind of like Trojan horse move where he was just like pretending he didn't know how to shoot, comes back from the FIBA window and just starts launching threes. Like, I don't know. uh, I don't know if somebody got in his head, told him to start shooting or what the deal is. But Saiz, six of 10 from uh, or sorry, excuse me, five of nine from the three point line in two games after attempting zero in the first 17 games of the season. So shout out to Sebastian Saiz. Uh, Dave, what's your stat of the week? Uh, 51.6% of the games have been won by the home team. 51.6%. So barely better than half. Um, that is down. That's all season. That's all season. Um, there are 11 teams who have won once or fewer times at home. Uh, Olympia is 0 and 4. Otherwise, uh, 11 total teams with one victory or fewer. So 51.6. There is no home court advantage in the BCO. Nobody is safe. All right, next up, we got surprise of the week. Uh, Dave, who did you pick for this one? You know, I, I picked the Nizhny Novgorod. Uh, mentioned that it was going to, that I would talk about them later. Um, I like this team a lot. I didn't see them uh, beating Avellino by 20, 21 points. And and Avellino, all right, they played with, they still played without uh uh, uh, Matt Costello. They did bring in Patrick Young. I didn't see them never challenging at home against Nizhny Novograd. So that's what I got. What do you got? Surprise of the week. I'm going with Ostend again. Uh, you know, they beat Strasbourg a couple weeks ago and, uh, you know, we, we gave them a shout out then, but I thought that was maybe like a little bit fluky. And then they, they came out and proved that wasn't a fluke at all. They beat Prometheus, another road win for Ostend, uh, beating Prometheus by four points. And, and Prometheus up to this point with a positive surprise of the season, everyone was jumping on the Prometheus bandwagon. So a huge win for Ostend, uh, to, to beat them on the road. Next up, we got our underrated performance of the week. I'm going to go with Babacar Toure from Fribourg. He had 18 uh, 18 points, 13 rebounds. Uh, This guy has been a monster all season long, but he he just hasn't, I think, been getting enough credit uh, because the team has been struggling. Fribourg are 1-7, but that's certainly not Toure's fault. He's he's been phenomenal this season. So shout out to Babacar Toure. Uh, Dave, who do you got for this one? Uh, I got uh, Tashawn Thomas. Um, he had 13 points, 11 rebounds, five blocks. The first player to do that uh, with 10 plus points, 10 plus rebounds, and five plus blocks uh, this season. Uh, you know, there's talk about Blatt, uh, Stoudemire, Feldine, you know, even Owens with all his dunks. Uh, but Thomas. You know, he's averaging 11 points a game, 6.6 rebounds, 1.6 assists, 1.8 blocks a game. 1.8 blocks is uh, the second best uh, in the the BCL. So uh, shout out to Mr. Underrated to Sean Thomas. For sure. He was awesome in that game. Next up, Overreaction Friday. Dave, I'll let you go. (laughs) Let you go first on this one. Um. So is Strasburg um, in real problems? I, you know, um, I, I love, I really, really, really like this team. Um, you know, right before halftime, uh, Mike Green and Vince Collet go at it a little bit. Uh, 
you know, you see it on the on on the on the uh, the replay. Uh, don't know what it was about. Green played in the, in the second uh, in the second half. You know, we've we talked a little bit before about Ali Traore, uh, you know, having maybe a problem with the shoulder. Uh, he didn't play because of the shoulder. Um, uh, Jock Olinge, uh, the the power forward, is, was was mentioned as he's that he's out for the season. Uh, Yusuf Afal has been great at times, like he was against uh, Olympia, just because of his size and everything. But there's a little bit of an in- inconsistency still, and 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 really mainly because of foul problems. Um, so you look at the bigs of this team. You know, I love Traore, but you know this could be a problem if if that is a lingering problem with with the shoulder, and if the problems uh, with the fouls continue with uh, with fall. And I don't know if Strasburg have the money that it would take to bring in a good big. You know, they brought in Eddie to help a little bit uh, on the on the wing and all that. Um, so overreaction Friday. You know, Strasbourg might be in, in trouble. You know, Byright's challenging. Uh, Prometheus is, is kind of uh, there as well. Neptunus, you know, does Strasbourg have to, to worry a little bit? You know, the, almost a negative effect on this game, you know, barely, barely, you know, really, really having to uh, give a, a strong effort to beat the young team in Olympia. So Strasbourg's in trouble. Yeah, they're in second place, but like you said, they're only one game ahead of the fifth place team, which is Neptunus. We know they're dangerous. Um, so yeah, not a not a super encouraging times for Strasbourg. My overreaction Friday is that the Italian teams spent their entire FIBA window just like eating <laughs> pizza and pasta and not working out because they all got smacked this week. Avellino blown out by 21 points at home. Bologna, they lost their first game of the season. Venezia losing against Pauk, and that was only a one-point victory for Pauk, but they were they were clearly the better team for the vast majority of that game. So I think the Italian teams, uh, you know, maybe maybe these long layoffs are going to be a little bit worrisome for them. There's another FIBA window uh, coming up in Feb- in February. We've got a break for Christmas uh, time coming up here in a couple weeks, and then of course before the round of 16 quarterfinals, and then the final four. There's also a few weeks off, so you know maybe being in the land of that uh, that heavy delicious food is not the best thing for these Italian teams because they all looked <laughs> slow and sluggish uh, compared to compared to their form earlier in the season. So Italy, Good maybe a little Good bit uh, a little bit of a worrying sign there. All right, and the last one is uh, the last category: sign of the apocalypse. Uh, Dave, I'll, I'll let you start this one as well because I, I don't want to steal yours. Stars not aligned. I don't know. Um, are we in trouble? Both Thomas Delinikaitis and Nico Cesis missed free throws. Unbelievable. Um, Delinikaitis had hit forty three in a row. Um, actually, it's it's funny. He was he's thirty five uh and thirty five of thirty five against the rest of the BCL uh, and eleven of sixteen uh, against Bologna. Nico Cesis. One in just one of four uh, from the free throw line against uh, Fuenlabrada had made all seventeen of his free throws before the season. The sign of the apocalypse. What do you got? 
And I'm going to stay in that Neptunus game. Uh, we mentioned it earlier. Kevin Punter, 0 of 5 from the three-point line, and an air ball on the last shot that could have sent the game mm-hmm. to overtime. You know, okay, it was, and, it was... And save us. And save us. Exactly. Exactly. We, Dave and I both picked Punter as our player uh, o- over the break. We did a category, who would you choose uh, to make one shot to save your life in the BCL? We both chose Punter, and he airballed our lives away. Um, you know, of course, it was, it was a rushed shot. It was kind of a broken play i think it was tony taylor who got stripped and the ball just kind of like fortuitously bounced to punter he had a good look it was a deep three uh you know maybe it was a little bit rushed because he didn't know how much time was on left on the clock but i thought he would at least hit the rim uh if not make it and send it to overtime given his clutch performances over the years but he airballed it uh, he, he did say like a little prayer right afterwards. I noticed kind of did the cross his chest and pointed up to the sky. Uh, so I don't know. I don't, you know, maybe he's, uh, he's saying he's going to get the next one. Um, but sign of the apocalypse, Kevin Punter airballing a potential game tying three pointer at the buzzer. That's going to do it for overtime. Next up, we've got our interview with Axel Julian, the point guard from Dijon. Uh, he's a really, really cool guy. We, t- we touched on a lot of fun topics. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Dave and I will catch you on the other side of the interview to wrap things up and preview game day nine. Meanwhile, here's where Julian for three. Oh, that might just be the dagger. Axel Julian. Okay, so on the show this week, we have Axel Julien from GDA Dijon. Axel, thanks for coming on the show. Oh, you're welcome. It's okay. Cool. Um, Axel, let's uh, first start off. Congratulations. Um, this uh, past week, you and the team were able to get a victory uh, in the Basketball Champions League, knocking off CZ uh, Nimbrook. Uh, maybe just talk about the keys to the victory for for you and the team. Oh, the key was to um, to stop their their offense. Uh, we know we uh, they play uh, they play really quick and uh, they have uh, a lot of um, a lot of uh, uh, weapon uh, like Ruban or Boyasic to uh, who uh, who play in this team. So we have to to defend good uh, first first of all. And um, second second key was the was David Olston who uh, who did a great game and. Uh, and uh, make some crazy shots, and uh, with that, we uh, we wise to win uh, at Nimburg. Yeah, you guys are two and six now, and your only other win in the BCL was against Nimburg. So I was wondering if if you guys maybe felt more confident going into this game because you you knew that you could already beat them. Yeah, I think uh, mentally it was better to play against a team we we already win, but um, we know. We we know we we don't uh, we didn't uh, lost um, a lot of game by a lot of points difference so we know we we have uh, the level to uh, to win some some games against uh, against those team but uh, yeah it's uh, it's it's uh, it's cool to to win two times against the same team but uh, we we will try to uh, to win uh, against another team uh, for finish good uh, the BCL group. Yeah, and next week uh, you guys are home against Bomberg, and you'll have a tough m- matchup personally with Tyrese Rice, who scored 20 points against you guys in the first game, and then he had 26 this week. Uh, how do you go about trying to slow down a, a great scorer like Tyrese Rice? Uh, yeah, you right. He's a he's a great point guard, and uh, we know with uh, with David we're gonna have. Uh, 
a big job on him. Uh, it's hard against him because he he can do all the things. So against players like this, we uh, we have to put our heart on the court and uh, and try to uh, to limit his um, to limit his efficiency and. Uh, uh, we will try to do better than uh, than the first game against him, and uh, hope that uh, he was he will be not a, a great a great night for him. Um, the the club is in the uh, playing internationally for the first time since the 2014-15 season uh, when they were in the Euro Cup. Uh, maybe just talk about what it means for this club to be playing in the uh, basketball Champions League. Oh, it's been a lot. Uh, like in France, when we uh, when we played the um, when we played the BCL, is because we uh, we have a great uh, ranking in uh, in uh, GP Elite. So uh, the team won uh, this uh, good ranking in GP Elite, and uh, we uh, we arrived to qualify for the BCL. It was a great accomplishment for for the team, for the club, and uh, all the fans are really excited to uh, to receive some great game uh, at home. And plus, we have a great group this season, so so it's cool to uh, it's cool for the fans to receive uh, Arca, Athens, Bamberg, uh, Jerusalem, some some team like that. So we all enjoy to to play BCL this year. Uh, you actually have a really special relationship with with uh, Coach Linom. Um, I believe you actually played with him. Or you're definitely in the same club with him at uh, Toulon, and then he coached you there. Uh, and then before this season, he actually brought you from uh, before uh, the season when you came over to uh, to Dijon. He he actually brought you over um, in 2015-16, uh, uh, brought you over to then play Pro B uh, from Pro B to the Pro A. Maybe just talk about what your relationship is, uh, how close you are with Coach, um, and maybe what do you thought? Maybe you thought about him as a player way back uh, in 2011. Uh, yeah, we played together like the first time I I uh, introduced myself to uh, to the um, professional team in uh, in Toulon. Uh, it was uh, it was for him his last year uh, on this team, so we we practiced a lot together. And uh, after he directly coached me on the on the junior team and uh, Pro B and Pro A, like, like you like you just say. And uh, so we have a really great, great relation. And uh, for that, I, I follow him in Dijon. And uh, like, he's a, I know him really like friendly, if we can say. And uh, I think not a lot of uh, player coach relation are like this. And uh, we uh, we enjoyed that for uh, for work together. We we know what's the limit of the professional and friendly relation are. So. So we just um, we just uh, take the good stuff for 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 work well together. And um, he, he he was a great great shooter when he when he was playing basketball. Uh, I watched him when I was kids too, uh, watching some games from 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 Toulon, and uh, I was on the stands and uh, share when he scored three points. So so it's some joke I can uh, I can say about him uh, like this and uh, so he was a great player a smart player and uh, I think it's for that he, he finished to uh, he finished his career and coached directly after yeah because he played he played there what's mid from the mid 90s all the way to the end of his career yeah yeah he played like I think 
only one year he played uh, he played in uh, other team uh, during his career. Yeah. Um I I, I saw um I believe I believe you have a pretty pretty big background in uh in basketball in your family if I'm not mistaken. I think both of your parents are are coaches is that correct and and uh maybe even older brother and sister. Um can you give us a little details as far as your your back- basketball background in, within your family? Yeah, I'm I'm from a really basketball family. Um, before I was born, like my my mother take take uh, big in basketball when uh, when she was uh, she was kid. Uh, my father played basketball uh, a little bit after playing volleyball, and uh, and they finished to uh, my my, uh, my father coached my mother, and uh, it's like it's like this. They uh, they are now together and. Um, so after they have my brother and my sister and they play they play uh, they play basketball it was a logic a logic idea and uh, when our wife so everybody was on the, on my my little city in the basketball club uh, it's called Cavaler sur mer and uh, and so I play basketball since I'm three I'm four so so I already live in this gym during during my uh, during my kids time yeah, and and homework even in the in the locker room. I think I I read somewhere. And do, and do the yeah. and do the parent yeah, do any of the family still play, brother or sister? Uh, yeah. So my uh, so yeah, it's what I, I say yesterday. Uh, I I did my homework in the in the locker room uh, after school, and uh, <laughs> yeah, now my 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 sister stopped stopped playing, but uh, my brother still coaching at the same same club. Uh, my mother only a bit the kids and uh, and my father still on the club is uh, the vice president. I don't know if uh, if it's like this, but uh, yeah, they are all part of this club. Uh, uh, they are all still part of this club, and um, every time I can spend time there, uh, I, I go for sure. Yeah, that, that's really cool. Um, a couple of weeks ago. You had a, a really great honor with uh, helping the French national team qualify for the FIBA World Cup. Uh, in, in the qualifying window, um, you guys beat the Czech Republic to qualify. Uh, just how did it feel to be part of, of that moment with the French national team? Oh, it was, I think it was my best moment in the um, in national team. Um, even if uh, every moment in national team is really cool to, to be part of it, but this moment was really special because uh, when the window when the windows uh, begin, um, friends have a lot of uh, of players who, who can who can't be there, and um, we are all stressed by the the qualification. We we nobody know what we can do uh, as a new team, and um, and we uh, we are qualified now. So it was really. Uh, uh, I don't know the word, but it was really cool for us to uh, to do this together, um, and uh, we really enjoy on the local room after we uh, was dancing and uh, cheering uh, each other. It was really cool, and uh, uh, I will remember this moment a uh, long time. Uh, in the in the September window, France lost their only game to Bulgaria, and uh, Nicolas Batum said afterwards. That this should be a wake-up call for France. Um, you didn't play in that window, but just was wondering what was what was the mentality of the French team uh, going into the home game against Bulgaria in Limoges, 
you know, even even after the team had already qualified for the World Cup, you know, going against Bulgaria, you know, what was the mentality? You know, revenge, whatever. You know, you want to make good for that loss. Uh, maybe talk about that. Uh, the most recent game. Yeah, we um, we um, the coach say like we have to win because it was a home game and uh, it was a game for uh, Frederic Forte, the the old president for Limoges, who died last year, and yeah. so it was a lot of special things and. Uh, so first of all, it was it was more that the home game and home uh, and game for uh, for Frederic Forte, and uh, the second the second goal was to um, to not to not lose two times against Bulgaria, and uh, and the, the third goal was uh, was to do better than the team who was there in September with great um, with great players. So uh, for us, the the player who play um, more in a, in the French Championship, it was uh, like. To, to show um, the spirit we can put on this team, and uh, and we uh, we did it perfectly and uh, play really really good, really tough, and uh, we uh, we have a great win against Bulgaria in Limoges. Yeah, in in general, what do you think about the the FIBA windows with the new qualification system? Well, for me, it's a great opportunity to uh, to show uh, to show I can. How I can play on, on this level, on the international level, because it's way different than uh, than the championship. So, um, so for me, it's a great opportunity. After I know for for some fans, for some players, they they, they don't like because like small game in the season, a lot of people are a lot of players are absent. But you know, it's like that. We uh, like. For me, it's cool, so I, I really appreciate the the new the new calendar, and um, uh, we we do, we did the job, so we don't we will uh, have a, a team in the World Cup. So for us, it's really good things uh, to do. What do you think about the World Cup? Uh, you know, you've you've played you've played in six games. How much of a of a goal would it be to maybe even uh, play next summer in in China? Uh, I don't know because you know there is a lot of talent in uh, in France or in in on point guard too. So um, I will do the the best for for be there. But uh, I know there is a lot of players better than me, and uh, and I respect that because uh, that's the that's the life. That's the that's the, some things who uh, who happen in career and uh, um support the French national team and I hope if I'm there or not then then they, they will do the the best thing they can. Good answer. Good answer. Um the the qualifiers was actually the second time you've played for France. Uh you teamed up with uh names like Rudy Gobert, Leo Westermann, uh Livio Jean Charles, Hugo Inavisi, uh Axel Tupin uh when you won the silver medal at the uh, FIBA U20 European Championship back in 2012, and actually, Coach uh, Lenan was was your coach, I believe. Even, yeah. um, uh, what was it like, you know, looking back, you know, playing with all that talent, and maybe what were some of your favorite memories of that? Uh, my favorite moment is was to uh, to um, to grab the the final spot and to win the, um, the semi-final against Spain because uh, we know we have a lot of uh, history with uh, with Spain and um, so it was a great moment and uh, unfortunately we uh, we lost the final but uh, it was a great experience for me it was the, my really first time in national team and 
it's one month and a half spend time with uh, with the same player, same great player who became like big player in Europe or NBA, and um, so it was it's good memories for me, and uh, I can still I can still story about that with my uh, my my teammates or my family, and uh, it was a great thing to be a uh, to be silver medal in uh, in the Euro Championship, and uh, yeah, I was really uh, grateful to to be part of it. We saw we saw in an interview where you actually do not like watching basketball. Is that correct? Maybe can you expand on that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm like I'm I'm not a, a fan of basketball. Like, uh, but I like basketball for sure. But uh, I prefer really play and be on the court than than watch on TV. And uh, so uh, I, I watch some game. I watch all the national team game for sure because uh, I'm like I say I support the French national team since uh, since I'm I'm kid. So so I really like and I really like watch national team, but for even BCL or GPL Championship, uh, I watch some game, but uh, not uh, the guy who, uh, who watch all the game because I want to I want to improve my game and uh, it's, it'll be real like this. But I really prefer be on the court when I watch a game. I just want to be in the court and do the do the job, do the defense, passing or some stuff like that. So I prefer be in the gym than uh, than be in front of my TV. Do you watch NBA at all, or you, no? You... I, I'm not really like NBA. You know the way they play. It's like they they only wake up at the last quarter, and uh, so <laughs> I'm not the guy who wake up at the TV and wake up for the, the TV and uh, and watch the game in the night. Even the playoff, it's not my really my thing. But but it's like this. <laughs> One thing that you clearly like to do is these insane trick shots. Uh, we, we saw, we saw the video, uh, that the French national team posted a couple, a week ago or so where you had the back heel shot from half court that went in. How did you do that? <laughs> Just practicing. Like it was not the, the first time I, I did this shot. It was a uh, radio on my Instagram like four years ago, I think. And like, it's a thing I like to do and uh, I like to share with my, my teammates, you know. It's not the thing uh, I did uh, by myself. Uh, every time I need somebody who will be with me, and uh, it's the the group moment when I score that I like. So, well, every every time I have an idea, I have to try. And uh, and the the guy who who take the this moment in camp try to push me to do uh, to do one with the national team. So well, it's it's happened, and uh, we was uh, all all together, and it was cool like to to enjoy this moment and uh it's my thing you know everybody every people tag me on a facebook video for for try some new new things and sometimes when i can uh, uh i do it yeah i saw also the uh the trick shots that you had in the pool from like i think over the summer and those were those were pretty amazing too it looked like there were like 20 people in the pool everyone uh for, for listeners who haven't seen the video Everyone touches the ball at least once. It gets passed around, and then you come flying in and do like a between the legs dunk. Um, but so that that was a birthday party. Yeah, that's my birthday party. It was my twenty sixth birthday, and uh, every year since three or four years, uh, we uh, we do um, a great shot like this, and uh, like it's really we we all joke about that because there is a lot of misses and. Uh, 
just people who miss the ball and go in the swimming pool just came out from the water and everybody loves uh, at you is great moment to to live and uh, for that we uh, we will do we do it uh, every year and uh, I think this summer we are gonna have some ideas too and uh, we're gonna do the same another another reason uh, why people may have been uh, seeing you on on uh, social media was. Was your big dunk against uh, Level Law over the weekend? Um, just drive down a lane and throw it down. Uh, was that your first dunk of the season? Uh, it was my second. Second. It was my second, yeah. But uh, for sure, it was not the same than the first one. <laughs> uh, should we ex- should we expect you in a dunk contest pretty soon? <laughs> no, 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 no. It's not my thing. You know, I prefer passing the ball or shoot at three point. But like. It was a, a moment to to do it, so I, I tried, and uh, it was su- successful. So I enjoyed the the result, but uh, I think uh, it, it will be the the first and the last time I, I do this this season. But uh, it was cool to to show and uh, to to see and and share this video. Uh, come back to the come back to the club. You you mentioned that uh, you know you you hope that you can. Grab a couple more victories, move up the standings uh, in the BCL. Uh, maybe, maybe just talk about the goals for the for the basketball champions league and also for uh, for the French top, uh, top flight for you and the the team. Oh, but like like we uh, we said at the beginning of the season uh, as a team we uh, we have um, a really uh, great group and it's hard to for us to to qualify because there's a lot of good team and. Uh, so BCL was uh, was more a bonus for us, like to to improve as a team and uh, to to play great game. It was uh, it's cool to to be part of it, and uh, we 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 tried to to win a lot of game, but it was uh, hard things for us to um, to win uh, against those team. And I think we we will we will do um, a better second part, and uh, because we now we know. Against um, against who we play and uh, we uh, we take the temperature of uh, of this this championship and um, so so we will see but uh, I think it serves us to um, to improve as a team in a, in a French championship and uh, for the moment we are second and uh, it's good for us and uh, we we arrive for the moment too to um, to um, to combine the the two um, the two competition and. Uh, that's a great. Um, that's a great thing because we were scared about that. The next game in the basketball champions league is on Wednesday, December nineteenth, against at home against Rosa Bamberg. Uh, Axel Julian, thank you uh, for your time. Good luck in that, and good luck for the rest of the season. Thanks for coming on the show. You're welcome, and thanks. Thanks a lot. It was a great moment. All right. Thanks again to Dijon point guard Axel Julian for joining us this week. Uh, Dave, what did you think about Axel? Uh, seems like a super personable, fun guy, uh, probably a great teammate. And um, I don't know, man, I say he should be in a dunk contest. <laughs> yeah, I think so. That one he had was pretty impressive. Uh, I would definitely encourage everyone to go to Twitter, uh, follow him or or follow Dijon, and, and you'll see that highlight because uh, that was a pretty incredible dunk for a six-foot point guard. So shout out to Axel Julian for that. 
Moving on, quick preview of game day nine. Uh, games will be going on again next Tuesday and Wednesday, and this will be the last games uh, before we take about a three-week break around Christmas and New Year's. So last chance for BCL teams to make a positive impression before the holiday season. Uh, Dave, looking at Tuesday's games, what are you going to be watching from those? Um, I, I You look at the first game on the schedule, Nizhny Novgorod, uh, Anvil, you know, really a huge game. If you look at the standings in Group A, you know, both teams four and four and fighting for uh, a playoff spot. Uh, also, Halone, Halone Vene- uh, Venezia, uh, you know, Halone is, is really playing well. Um, and, you know, they definitely want to make sure that they can keep Venezia behind them. And the other game I have is Tenerife against Nanterre, you know, I mean, uh, uh, Nanterre has been playing well lately. Obviously, the huge win over over Opava, um, and now going to to Tenerife. Tenerife, uh, you know, Sai said, you know, we want to be a little bit tougher. Uh, this is going to be a tough test against Nanterre. What do you got? Yeah, I think I think you hit on the big ones there. That Halone Venezia game is is going to be really important, uh, specifically for Venezia because they've now fallen behind Halone in the standings. They're in third place in that group at five and three, uh, and they're going up against a really really potent offense with Khalif Wyatt. Corey Walden had a phenomenal game this week. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Halone win that game. In, in, in fact, I, th- I think they will win that. I'll pick Halone right now to win that game, which would put Venezia at five and four. And with Pauk playing the way they are, and Nanterre coming up, as you said, uh, that this could be a you know a really dangerous situation for Venezia. I don't think they're in danger of missing the playoffs, but you definitely don't want to be the fourth seed and then have to go up against one of the leaders from these other groups when playoff time comes around. Uh, looking at Wednesday's schedule, I think there's a few interesting ones here. Uh, the one I'm most intrigued by is Bayreuth and Strasbourg on Wednesday uh, in Group D. You mentioned Strasbourg might be in a little bit of trouble, have looked pretty shaky in recent weeks while Bayreuth are surging. Uh, so that's going to be a really interesting one. Um, anything else from uh, from Wednesday's games jump out to you? Osten, can they do it? Can they beat Bologna at home? They come back home. They had the two big road wins over, over Strasbourg. And uh, and then Prometheus, and now they come home play against the uh, the now non uh, not undefeated team. So can Osten do it? And maybe the last chance for a victory uh, in group in Group C, uh, sorry Group uh, B for either Freeboy Olympic or Opava as they as they play in uh, in uh, in Opava. So that's uh, one of those teams will. Yeah, maybe get their their last victory of the season in the BCL. All right, so that's going to do it for this week's edition of the podcast. Thanks again to our guest, Axel Julian from Dijon. Be sure to download the official Basketball Champions League app to follow all of the action, get the stats, the latest stories and updates. Everything you need is on the app, so go check that out. It's completely free. Also, make sure you check out uh, championsleague.basketball. That's the official website. Igor Jerkovic's help side column is up there right now, uh, where he talked about some of the best dunks in BCL history. Shout out to Jamal Jones, who just absolutely destroyed Mitchell Watt. Uh, poor Mitchell Watt checked into the game and was out there for like five seconds and then just got completely dunked on by Jamal Jones, uh, one of the highlights of the season. So go check that out. Lots of good stuff going up on the website. Dave and I will be back again next week to break down game day nine before we head into the Christmas break. So make sure you check that out next week. So for Dave Hein out in Germany, my name is Austin Green and this has been BCL Coast to Coast. Coast.